The Burroughs of Berea is a conversational podcast. We study the Bible and we talk about it. Not all of us are of the same faith, and one of us doesn't actually have a faith. And that's wonderful. We all love one another, and we're going to continue to talk about these things. The things we believe in and the things we believe about what we read in the Bible. Not all of these are necessarily true. Some of it is opinion and speculation. Thank you for listening and speculating with us. There you go. That was good. Yes. Oops, oops, oops. <laughs> you are listening to the Burroughs of Berea. Welcome back to the Burroughs of Berea. I am Rick Welch, and to my left is Big Daddy Carter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Serena the Edge Edgerton. Hey, y'all. Behind the glass, Rocket Man Andy Bishop. A cow. Straight out of Compton, Ralph Hicks. Represent. Cherry the Annihilator Lewis. Isn't that circus music? She's a circus clown. That's oh. what I'm trying to say. I thought it was like kind of Russian, wasn't no, it? No, it was She's giving, me this, <laughs> <laughs> She's giving me this look like. Um, I'm a circus clown. Ma- maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have Anyway, said that. so we have finally reached these episodes where uh, Big Daddy and Cherry and I went to Berean Bible Church, yep. and we interviewed several people. We interviewed Eric and Karen O'Shea, Jordan and Leah Grant, yep. and then we had that um, roundtable wonderful. wonderful about the flat Earth and the globe that you had on. Uh, you released on Patreon. Yep, the, that has been released on Patreon. But this particular so episode, become a Patreon member. Yeah, for some wonderful stuff that may get dropped early. Yeah, we do. We we actually drop some. We we do some videos on there. Yep. You know, we actually dropped a video that I did with uh, Dr. Daniel Hummel. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you can become a Patreon subscriber and get some stuff early. And, uh, but today's episode is Eric and Karen Auger, and they are the sweetest. They are so wonderful. They're the sweetest people. I got to drive them around this pretty much the entire time of that weekend. Yeah. They're good people. They, they have a heart of service. To the people. I probably uh, melted their mind, though, but... Of course you did. You <laughs> yeah, always course, do. I do. It's, so, but Well, the, you shouldn't have done that kind of stuff in the car. Yeah, so... Now you're the service clown. <laughs> <laughs> Mushroom they, man. One of the things, and they'll talk about it in, in this uh, yep. particular episode, is servolution. Yes. And guys, this is something that you could get radical behind. Yes. Um, this in a community where people from all you know, all of these different faiths come together and just serve in the community. They yeah. build homes, they do repairs, do to repairs, yeah. To they, home people's homes and stuff like that. You name it, they work together. It's kind of like a Habitat for Humanity, but it's it's designed for the, you know, particular communities. It's Christian-based. Yeah, absolutely. Servolution. And so uh, if you guys go and look in the body this paragraph, we have a link so that you can go see the stuff that Eric and Karen Oje do there. So we hope you guys enjoy this episode, and we'll talk to you guys at the end of it. All right. Well, we are here at Berean Bible Church in Virginia Beach again. Thanks to Pastor Curtis for allowing us to be here, and several from the church are here. We have uh, our guests, but I'll start here. We've got with us Cherry the Annihilator Lewis. Hello. And then we got Big Daddy Carter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he kills me with it. <laughs> I love it. I and we have good. another, so we have, a, we have a married couple testimony. I'm super excited. We have our guests, Eric and Karen Oje. Thank you guys for being with us. Oh, thank you for having thank us. You. Oh, my, what's going on? Yes, I do want this to make changes. Okay. So, um, Eric, I was introduced to you via email. 
actually, by Bob Cruikshank. And what we've discovered is that Bob Cruikshank knows everyone in the world. Yes, he does. Mm -hmm. That's what we've learned. <laughs> Him and, and Bill Evans. Bill mm -hmm. Evans always says, I'm a nobody that knows everybody. I always love that. So, um, yeah, well, let's get started. So, have you guys listened to any of our podcasts? Have you heard any of our testimony podcasts? Uh, yes. So, yeah, are you familiar with our our first question? I believe so. Go. So, shoot. to the Go. best of your ability, can you tell me your earliest memory, for both of you, your earliest memory of when you heard the name Jesus Christ? You want to go first? Okay, sure. Uh, my maternal grandmother introduced me to that as she prayed for us so diligently. And then my paternal grandmother took us to church with her all the time. And that was back in the day when the ladies wore the hats and the gloves and the high heels to church, and that made a huge impression. But she took me to church, um, talked to me a lot about it, and then both of my parents became uh, organist and choir director at the church where we grew up. Mm. So I've had the name of the Lord mentioned to me my whole life, really, but didn't know Him until many years later. Wow. So you heard it very early. How about yes. you, Eric? Same. Um, grew, I grew up in a Baptist preacher's home uh, since the, as I can remember, back when I was a, a little boy. But right before my dad went into the ministry, we were going to church. And I remember during one of the revivals that we were having there at the church that uh, my dad had walked the aisle. And, and as a seven-year-old, I walked right with him. And from then, I just remembered, you know, going to Sunday school, but then raising a in a preacher's home, as a preacher's kid, you learn how to live in a glass house uh, because of all the eyeballs of the church looking at you all the time. But hearing the name of Jesus, I heard him since as early as I can remember at four or five years old from there, but never a conversion until later on in life. Yeah. Yeah. So we hear a lot of those stories. You know, there are some, you know, that are born, you know, we always say that God doesn't have any grandchildren, Right, mm -hmm. he only has children, but sometimes through you know by being raised in that household. I wasn't raised in a Christian household, so I didn't know that what what's it like to be you know raised like that. So, what I want to know he what I want to know now is so take us on your journey. We'll start with you, Eric. Take sure. us on your journey to where when you first had your you know a salvation experience, and then you know and take us up through here. Tell us how you guys met. I'm all I'm very interested. Yeah, um, again, growing up in a pastor's home. Um, it was always a challenge and we had many opportunities to to try to live a Christian life, obviously. You know, in, in the SBC, um, you know, it's uh, I know that a lot of our friends have grown up Catholic and you could go to the priest to make confessions, but in the Baptist church, you just went and got rededicated. <laughs> That's what you did. You walked, a, you walked on Sunday morning, you, you played as hard as you wanted to on Friday and Saturday, and then you know, you had to get right with God, and especially with my dad being the preacher, I would always make sure that I wasn't going to get, you know, whooped on something else and <laughs> step in there, and, and I'd walk in and uh, or on that Sunday morning and rededicate my life. So that's the pattern that I was in my entire life. I always wanted to know Christ and, and uh, understand what it meant to be saved. But uh, uh, dad had taken another church um, and had moved away from where I was. I was going to school at the time and then graduated uh, from school and then uh, moved to Houston and uh, obviously went to church at a local church there in the Houston area. I did not want to move to Houston in the first place. I just knew it was too busy, but the Lord placed me there. And shortly after that, Karen and I met at a, uh, at a church. She had come to hear 
me sing on a Sunday evening. I was doing the special music that evening, and I saw this beautiful redhead walk in, and I don't remember anything else. <laughs> so I kept staring at her. I couldn't tell you what the preacher preached on that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, so Karen, how about you? So he's taken us to the point to where he met you, and now talk about your salvation experience and then how you got to him. Well, thank you. Um, <clears throat> grew up going to church, as I mentioned. Mom and dad were both ministers in the church to one degree. Mom played the organ beautifully. Dad was the choir director. So we had music in our family a lot. Everybody plays some instrument or another. Um, and it's because of that music that I was invited to participate with my best friend from high school in her parents' gospel group. So I played some keyboards. She was a pianist. And we got to travel to different churches and sing gospel songs. And one night she just asked me if I wanted to know the Lord. And I said, well, of, of course I do. And she said, pray with me. And I prayed with her. And no matter what we think about that, what our opinions are about that, the Lord converted me that night. Mm. And I went straight home and I suddenly realized that the albums I had were not okay and the, the mess I had in my room was not okay. And so I cleaned up my room. And then I went in my brother's room and I threw away all his albums too. <laughs> his Chicago, his Boston, cracked them, threw them all away. And, and then my mother. <laughs> Those are fighting words. Yeah, Those are fighting they really words were in my fighting house. words. Well, they became fighting <laughs> words for sure. Then my mom came home and she saw the devastation I'd done by throwing so many things away. She says, well, you know, you just violated a command. What did I do? You stole. And now you have to rebuy with your own money all oh, your brother's boy. carnal records. <laughs> so, um, it was a hard lesson for me to learn that, that when the Lord doesn't work, it's a very personal, intimate work. Mm -hmm. And that it's a personal obedience to that. But he did convert me that night. And um, he's taken me on quite a journey right alongside of probably everybody in this room, quite a journey to get to where we are today to meet you all. You know, hers was, you know, seemed to be instantaneously, whereas mine felt like it was just this long, drawn-out journey. Because mm -hmm. after we got married, finally we get up, we, we met in November of 85. Mm -hmm. Thanksgiving. Yeah. And in February, I asked her to marry me in uh, 86, and we got married in August of 86. So it was like, I didn't want to let her go. Yeah. I needed it. Uh, but the Lord has given Karen to me in this life. Uh, and I and I thank God for her because God used her in my life to really bring me to the point of what true love is and then obviously the converting love of Christ. Because uh, even after we were married, I still struggled. I remember going to a revival uh, another revival. That's what, what you do as Baptists. You just go to revivals after revival. That's what Wednesdays are for. Yes. <laughs> so uh, uh, I remember that one preacher preaching on, um, you know, the wheats and the tares that night, and it scared me to death again. So what did I do? I walked the aisle again and said, I've got to get saved, you know, and ask Jesus into my heart. But it's still, even then, it, it nothing in my life changed. And, and I really wanted it. But then... God brought me down to a position where, as we know, that God does not despise a broken and a contrite spirit. And he got me to a spot where I needed to cry out to him. And he, he, there was a real conversion at that point. And shortly after that, 
uh, I had a dear friend of ours give me uh, the book on the sovereignty of God from A.W. Pink. He asked me, he says, have you ever read? Well, first of all, he, the first question was, he says, do you believe in God's sovereignty? And I knew that was somewhat of a trick question, mm-hmm. like who doesn't? And then he says, have you ever read The Sovereignty of God by A.W. Pink? And I said, I don't know pink from blue, but give me the book and I'll read it. And I devoured that book. It, was, it made such sense to me, knowing it was not up to me. All of the times that I had gone forward or gotten rebaptized again and all the different things that I struggled with as a teenager, that it had nothing to do with me. It was truly the love of Christ pursuing me. And at that point, there was a real true conversion in my life. Yeah, we have something similar, actually. We have something in common, What's Eric. that? So whenever I was a young Baptist, I had a man bring me a book called Studies in Saving Faith by A.W. Pink. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading that book and being absolutely flabbergasted. Like, how could I have missed these verses? Yeah. How do you? How do we do that? How do we read the Bible and miss all of this? You know, and... and uh, is it because of the way they teach? Is it because of the way we read? I don't know. I have no idea. All I know is that he brought attention to it and that I was, I got really convicted in my heart because my salvation experiences had always been, he calls the sin of self-preservation. We're so worried about trying to save ourselves yes. from damnation. And that is actually a selfish act, which sounds bizarre, but our brains disconnect. And he pointed that out. And I was like, <laughs> Now I understand the sovereignty of God, but I still feel like free willing it right back up to the altar. You right, know what I mean? right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but but I understood, and so we have that in common. Like I had, the, I I accepted that as well, and then yeah, like like Spurgeon says, the hound of heaven, he just keeps coming after exactly. us. Right. It, it got to the point where I truly could understand all I could say. Once I was blind, but now I see, mm-hmm. and and then at that point on. I couldn't stop reading his word. Yeah. You know, where at before it felt like a struggle to someone. I mean, Karen, there were times in our married early life that I would see her reading and I actually got angry at that hmm. because, and I'd get angry at her. I'd say, why are you keep reading the Bible all the time? Are you trying to make me feel bad? Yeah. And, and, and so that's whenever I knew the Lord was working on me, even though the, my anger was towards her. But when there, when the Lord changed my life and there was a conversion there, I couldn't put the book down, mm-hmm. God's Word. And it now the, 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 the information was popping up off the page to me. Mm-hmm. Truly was, I could see what the Lord was doing. Yeah. So whenever you read that book... Were you guys already married at that point? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. This yes. was 2003 and it, and the that funny he's thing talking is, about. The, yeah. the A.W. Yeah. Pink book was introduced to us. In 2003, following another opportunity for us to be broken and cry out to the Lord. It, it, was, it was the one where Eric cried out for help, and the Lord sent it through brothers, and the use of this book showed us that all of our striving had so been So both of you kind of came to the conclusion around the same time? Because you're Yes. Re- yes. Mm-hmm. Hmm. yes. And we've seen that. We've That's seen awesome. That's very good. <laughs> and this is the way it's been in our entire life. The Lord, either He is shown me something, and then I go talk with Karen about it, and she goes, you know, the Lord's been showing me the same thing, and then she would be reading something, and she'd say, the Lord's speaking to me about this, and then this is where we are today, and and so the Lord has blended our lives together. Um, I've shared this with other couples. 
in in a men's group, and I teach them or share with them, you know, the Lord doesn't all, you know, we think that we have personal relationships with people, and we really don't have personal relationships with people. We have covenantal relationships with people. The covenantal love that the Lord gives us through His Word, and so I have a an opportunity to be covenantally in love with Karen, and then hers is with me because her first love is Christ. My first love is Christ, and 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 chasing that, our lives come together in our in our married life to where there's there's a just, the Lord's doing His own work of blending our lives together. So. Yeah. Which is really cool because so you're both raised in Christian homes. Yes. And you have these conversions, you know, later in your life. After being around it your, your whole life, not really aware, somebody just pops up and says to you, Karen, do you want to know the Lord? And you think, well, don't I know the Lord? I mean, haven't I been serving him all this time? But then you realize I didn't have this relationship with him. And then, like you just said, these covenant relationships with him, with each other, mm-hmm. becoming one flesh, which is what exactly what he teaches, right, about how they become one flesh. So now that you guys are married, you, you guys are on this journey together, you've got this, you had this AW Pink moment. And so take us from there. So now I know you guys do a lot of servant, you, you serve a lot in your community. And I really want our audience to know exactly what both of you guys do. Okay. Okay. So whichever one wants to start, you guys take off. Well, it started whenever our oldest son was just about to get married. And we, we, were, we were trying to find a church, obviously, that was along the lines of, you know, God's sovereignty and salvation. So we were trying to find more of a, if you want to call it, for lack of a better word, more of a Calvinistic type of church. It was difficult even trying to find that in in the area that we lived. So uh, I was encouraged by uh, a mentor of ours. He says, Eric, why don't you just start having church at home? And I said, well, don't we have to get permission from another church? He goes, I think the permission is through God's word. So go start the church. Just just go do the work. Uh, and that's then, from then, that's always, that's kind of been my motto. Just go do the work. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get to that point here in just a moment. But uh, so we did. We started having church at home and we started inviting others. And then from there, the church actually grew to where we went to a hotel and then we ended up renting a space. And uh, at one point we had, I don't know, 25, 30 families that were that were coming to the church fellowship, and it, it was growing, and we thought, wow, this is great. And so we were in that church there for, I pastored as an elder there at that church for seven years. Uh, but towards the end of that, Karen and I were driving home. Um, where, where the church was, it was in the mid-cities between Dallas and Fort Worth. So whenever, where we lived, we when we drove from our house to that building, it would take us about 40 to 45 minutes to get there. And it dawned, it was starting to dawn on me that we weren't not, we weren't in our community. We weren't having community within our community. We weren't being Christ, what Christ called us to do in our own community. So it was a real struggle for us. And But um, driving to church one Sunday morning, I looked at Karen and I said, you know, I really believe the Lord really wants us to do more work here in our community. And uh, shortly that we didn't know quickly after that how quickly the Lord was going to do that, <laughs> but the Lord did it. And um, and then once the Lord uh, took us through another breaking uh, in our own lives, a lot of pride in our own lives, because we felt like, wow, look at what we've kind of done, you know, and 
all of that. Um, we just started to get simple. Just let's just first of all let's make sure that we're right with the Lord and all the things. Uh, and so through that, um, I had a gentleman ask Karen and me. Uh, we had gone to them and asked them, you know, what do we do? Do we try to start another church where we live? What do we do? We just we're kind of devastated about where do we minister next? What what do we do next? And what Karen, I'll never forget this as long as well God gives us breath. The man leaned over to us on on the table and he asked one question. He says, Eric, do you want to be known or do you want to be victorious? And that's basically mm. what we did. Hmm. It was a hmm moment. Was, yeah, like Hmm. Ouch. Also, like yeah, it was an ouch. Hmm. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. And so I looked over at Karen, and she looked over at me, and and in my mind, I thought this is a trick question here. Right. <laughs> I know the answer to it, and I, I just simply said, "Do you mind if I answer that a little bit later?" And um, it wasn't that I was trying to de- figure out was it my pride trying to trip me up or anything. I knew the answer was to be victorious. But then I knew that the Lord still had to do some work in me. And so uh, that's where a, a big momentous change in our, our lives, and even as a married couple. And um, so what we started to do as ministry, as simple as it was, we realized that the neighborhood in which we lived, nobody around us knew that I was a pastor or I pastored a church anywhere. And that was devastating knowing that my neighbors didn't even know I was a believer. And so uh, we did the most simplest thing that we could do. We started opening up our home and inviting our neighbors just to dinner. We, we would ask one neighbor, hey, this Thursday night, can we have y'all over for dinner? And just because we wanted to hear their story. What, what is God doing in your life? Now, we didn't pose it that way. We knew what we were asking because we just wanted to know where they were. And I think the hardest thing that any preacher can do is listen. <laughs> yeah. So we just I mean, asked the question, and, yeah, and I mean, we it's just not got silly. He's right. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of people that I know. It's it's because we think that we have the answer. You have the answer, and you want to give it to him, and it's, it's good. But yeah. sometimes just being quiet and listening is yeah, it's a powerful move. Yeah. And so that's what the Lord did with Karen and me. You want to add anything to that? Well, sure. Um, thank you. Between 2003, when we were introduced to the sovereignty of God, and 2017, when the Lord abruptly changed our direction from going to church to becoming the church, what we say, the church on the go, during that period of time, we home-educated our children and graduated them, and in the meantime, began caregiving for my parents who were aging and, and becoming ill, my father. So there was a lot of in-house ministry going on as well. Um, and yet when the Lord changed our direction in 2017 to bring us home, we, we did realize we didn't know our neighbors' names and we'd already lived there for five years. We just had done no outreach. We were home-centered, even though it was a good ministry there at home, caring for our children and graduating them and caring for my elderly dad and mom and t- making sure all of their needs were met. We, we were thinking, we weren't, we weren't thinking, that's just it, we just weren't thinking, that getting in the car and going to be with other believers is just what there was. And we hadn't seen too much 
of an example in our own personal lives of people living their faith, being the church. Everybody we knew, it was just where you go, and it mattered where you go to church. So I think the biggest transformation to us in 2017... Got to keep your mouth towards the mic. I'm sorry. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Can you tell I was a school teacher for many years, and I I look at everybody? Yeah. Um, The biggest transformation for us was seeing that there are souls outside of our immediate attention and that those souls matter. And so we began, like he said, inviting our neighbors, going, taking them Christmas treats with a card, had a a picture of us so they could recognize us. And it said, "If, if you need prayer, let us know. We can pray for you. And we didn't invite them to a church setting or anything. Just we wanted them to know that that we were there, that we would be available to them if they needed us. And so by this time, we know all of our neighbors, and they know us, and we laugh and wave, and we sit on each other's porches, and we we talk and visit, and the Lord's done a work there in our neighborhood as well. And we've lost both of my parents since 2015 for my dad and my mother in 2020. And by that time... Um, we were already learning how to be involved a little bit in our community through our neighbors, but we still didn't have a church home to go to. We were churching at home. And the beauty of that was we could make ourselves available to our neighbors that way as well. Um, But it, it was that same friend that said, do you want to be known or do you want to be victorious? That's never left our minds. It was, it was a hammer it was really a hammer that, that fell on us at that table that afternoon. And it, if the answer is to be victorious, then the next question is, over what? Vic, victorious over what? Victorious how? And so then the Lord began to introduce to us um, his, his law word in a way we hadn't seen it before and a practical application of living the Word of God in all areas of our lives and applying His principles, applying His righteous rules, His true commands, learning how we can put off the old man and put on the new man and and apply and live in such a way that God could use us so that people could see the light of Christ in us. It, It wouldn't have done us any good to get to know our community if we're just like everybody in the community and there's no real light, there's no real effect, there's no real change that's lasting. So as we began to volunteer in various aspects or be asked to do things, joining the chamber, um, being asked to teach here and there or to pray here and there in our community, the opportunities came up for us to both be invited to serve on ministry boards. And I was invited to serve on the Eagle Mountain Pregnancy Help Center's board of directors And that was um, a result of me teaching once a month on a rotation basis there. So they got to know me over the course of a year and then invited me to be on the board. And then two years ago, voted me as the president of that board, and I'm still serving there. Meanwhile, in the very same month that they voted me to be the president of that ministry board, the Servolution Board of Directors voted for Eric to be the president of that ministry board. Mm. So we both came home and like, you're not going to believe what happened to me. And he goes, you're not going to believe what happened to me. And we couldn't believe what happened to each other. (laughs) 
Like, so what, what is God doing? So instead of starting a church, that if we had hung a denominational— I could turn uh, that mic up towards you a little bit. Yeah. Just, it, there you go. Perfect. In, instead of starting a church that would have had a denominational name on it, we all know that would have excluded how far we could have reached. Because as soon as you put up, whether you're Baptist or Presbyterian or Lutheran or whatever else that you might put up there— um, your your reach, people won't come to your church because you're of that particular denomination. And so we started to see what the question was all about whenever it says, do you want to be known or versus victorious? We started to see that God, Christ himself, was going to reign. And, and through this, the opportunity to make him known and to see his victorious kingdom move on this earth by just doing the simplistic things, loving God and then loving people. And and truly knowing it from a perspective of we may know as people that might understand and even taught what it means to have sovereignty of God and salvation or what we might believe in our eschatology belief, knowing how to use that in, a, in an applicable way, seeing that we are to promote Christ the King uh, to claim the crown rights of Christ in all spheres of life and to make the kingdom of Christ known. And, and that's what the Lord has done and given us an opportunity, whether it's at the Eagle Mountain Pregnancy Help Center or this organization, Servolution Ministry, to where we're seeing the, the church in our community really come together and promote Christ through both of these ministries. We're, we're reaching far greater than just, you know, 20 or 30, 40 people at a time. We're, we're seeing the impact of Christ being projected throughout several communities and actually even through the county now. Have you, have you guys noticed that? So earlier you said, do you want to be known or do you want to be victorious? Correct. And then you said right after that, you said the simplistic things like loving God and then loving people. The, the the idea of loving God and loving people seems incredibly simple, but did you find that it is not really that simple? <laughs> of course. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right. So the, the con- yeah, I don't mean to be joking, but the concept of love, the concept of loving God and then loving others, that's really where the work is. That's the mm-hmm. work it you're talking work. about. That's it's correct. real work. Yeah, it's the work of what does it mean to love God? Right. I put it simply of at least what I can tell you as a husband I got to do what God requires of me as a husband. My my role as a husband is to love my wife as Christ loved the church. That's a requirement. It's not a suggestion. Right. You're right. I mean, we, we think quite a bit about what we know as the Ten Commandments, but God's law word, as Karen mentioned, is far greater than that because there's several requirements that God requires of us as we as we are believers uh, to to learn how to live life. One is, as a husband, can I love my wife as Christ loved the church? And then do I also, as a husband, do I wash my wife with the water of the word daily? See, that's a requirement. That's what God requires of me, of the husband. So that's why I'm talking about how do I live covenantally with Karen? That's what that means. Mm -hmm. I walk in that area. Um, And so whenever it gets down to loving God, am am I truly seeing that I'm doing what he requires of me daily, even whenever something what I would think goes contrary to what I might like during a day, 
some man cuts me off on, on the interstate or anything else, do I do what God requires or do I do what my flesh wants to do? Right. You know, yell at that, at that man. Or do I, do I, do I truly say, I can, I'm going to give thanks in all things for this is the will of God concerning me. So it's learning how to, to share that with other people, the applicable word of God in, in, a, in someone's life uh, on a daily basis. And one other little aspect of this, through just sharing these simplicities like this, um, one of the other aspects that God has actually helped, or has, has led us to, is that uh, I, he has given me the opportunity to speak at some men's conferences. And one of those men's conferences that I got to speak at, uh, our local justice of the peace was there. And uh, he's an elected judge there in the Tarrant County area. And the Lord brought our lives together. And and I sat down with uh, Judge Gregory, and we were talking about these things that we're talking about today. He says, Eric, he says, you know what? Currently, we don't go to church anywhere either. He says, but I need someone like you in my life. And so the Lord has has me not only helping this ministry of servolution, Karen, he's got Karen over here with the Pregnancy Help Center, but we've got a local judge that I'm working with who who calls me and says, "Hey Eric, I may have you know, how do I, how do I deal with certain things biblically?" That's the ministry that the Lord has been able to we we start to live victorious that way. Yeah, it's when I was growing up, and I'm sure as you were growing up, especially being Baptist, we're very isolationist. We have, we've built these brick and mortar places that we all like to go, and then we invite people to our brick and mortar places, and then we become part of those groups. And it's understandable, and it's wonderful, it's it's fine, but that really isn't the operation of the church. It's where to go out, and a lot of times we are inviting people in, right? I mean, it's almost like, um, that was as you were talking about living faith, um, the the symbolism of us being our bodies being automobiles <clears throat> and we go to the church and we're when you're at the church you're basically at the gas station with your car and that when you're um, talking about living your faith at some point you need to leave the gas station with the gas that you filled in your car and you need to go somewhere you need to go do something make some work out of the fuel tank that you filled up but it seems like we end up still leaving and staying at that place into that gas station and never leaving. And it's when we go home, it's like we've turned our car off so that we don't use anything that we've, or at least go into the world on our own now. We've turned the car off and we're not using what we've stored up so that we're always staying full of something that we've never expended or even tried. And how far do you know to go with your cars unless you actually make an effort to put it in drive and go? I, so I like that. Um, that. That is a great example Part of, part of speaking to that and answering your question also, loving God, loving people, is that hard? Um, the Lord tells us how to, how to love Him, and He has shown us how to love others. That's what's hard, because our flesh wants to prefer certain things over other things, certain ways, certain beliefs over other beliefs. And not until I think as a, as a cohesive body of Christ that we realize that souls are precious from preborn to elderly. Souls 
souls matter. They're, they're beautiful and precious. And we have an opportunity to be that victorious people and to live in such a way that when they see and know that we are called by the name of the Lord, um, we want to be that salt. We want to be that light. We don't want to be hid. We don't want to be hid in our homes after going and being charged or filled at the gas tank. We, we want all, we, all of us, want to be useful vessels of honor in the hands of a very loving, very loving God and Father. So loving people um, becomes easier, I think, when we realize that it's about showing Christ to the world and not about trying to convince anybody of anything except to know that, that they are being loved. Um, and as that trust gets built or that love gets shown, it's amazing how many opportunities the Lord provides for us to be able to start casting seeds of the gospel in, in word or through prayer or through material. But we have found, the two of us, that the bulk of the ministry that the Lord has us in right now is coming by just being available, by being that light, being that salt yeah. outside of our houses. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, that's, and that's where I was going, was that we are to, the operation of the church is to be mm-hmm. available, to be out, to meet needs, to discuss things, to be mm-hmm. ready, to offer materials, like you said. So for, for you two, I want to go into you, Karen, just real quick okay. before we get into servitude, right? Servolution. Servolution, sorry. Mm-hmm. Servitude and servolution. <laughs> same. <laughs> yeah, same, yeah. Same. So at the pregnancy center, can you tell me a little bit about it? So... Um, Sarita, who is one of our, you know, one mm-hmm. of our cast members, she works at a pregnancy center in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Wonderful. Um, she works with women that are pre, uh, pre possible pre-abortion or post-abortion. Mm-hmm. She works with people at that level. She works mm-hmm. with young mothers that aren't sure what to do. She works, you name it, the gamut. She's been there. So is that similar to what you're it's doing? It's very similar. It is very similar. We are a 501c3 nonprofit, completely donor-funded ministry. And last year when Roe v. Wade was overturned, Texas offered $100 million to pregnancy centers across the state. We couldn't take a penny of that because it's, it's restrictive on our ability to minister and to freely give the gospel or to freely just stop and pray with someone. Um, there are so many strings attached to that. So we do rely on, on the Lord to send what we need in order to stay open. Um, so... We see women, girls, 14 years and up. We used to see girls and women 18 years and up, but we've even seen a 14-year-old girl over the summer whose mother called us and said, I I don't know what to do. My daughter has this strange tattoo. Her friend has the same tattoo. They're getting gifts from these people. We don't know anything about them. And of course, the response was, can you get your daughter up here? So she brought her daughter up and Um, The discovery was made that she's being groomed for trafficking at 14 years old. So um, we had the Fort Worth ISD give us a call about a 13-year-old who uh, believed that she was expecting. And could we please get in our car and go speak to this girl, this young girl? And then the people that actually walk through our door that the Lord sends, some of them are in their 30s, and um, they just didn't know they were going to have any more children, and it's a happy occasion, but they're starting all over. But I'd say the bulk 
of the women who come through the door are in some type of a crisis or a tragic situation, whether it's abuse. Um, and by abuse, I mean they're being mistreated one way or the other by their boyfriend. Uh, very, very few times is there a husband involved, but a boyfriend or a step a stepfather. So we have happy stories, and then we have these tragic stories of people that are completely broken. And if, if we were to come at them with, well, you know, you have a choice of heaven, choose Jesus, or hell, to them, they are living in hell, and they really can't imagine anything worse than what they're already going through. So that's no threat to them, if you know what I mean. So what we want to do is, is greet them, hear their stories, we want to pray with them, offer them an opportunity, uh, and over time, we introduce them to what's better. And of course, we know Jesus is the better. Right, yeah. <laughs> we know that, and but we can't just say that many times up front. So in a nutshell, um, what we want them to do is work with us over a period of time so they can build trust with us and vice versa. We want to introduce them to biblical principles and ways to correct their ways of living, the culture that they've grown up with. They don't know what abuse is. They think that's normal. Um, so when we introduce them to something that's not abusive and that there's a new normal, of course they're attracted to that, but it's not always instant. And sometimes we have women um, that will return to that situation five times, six times, seven times before they finally are able to break free and find victory through the Lord in their lives. So they work our program. Each one has a different individualized program that they can work. And then by working their their program, taking the classes, the parenting classes. We offer ESL. We offer Texas Workforce. It helps to find jobs for these women so they're not so dependent on boyfriend or, or whoever that is in their lives that's keeping them subdued. Um, we help them to learn life skills and help them to learn things to be more independent and more victorious in their own lives. And when they work that program, they're also earning everything that their babies and their children need up to four years of age. So our donors are not only donating funds, but they're also donating materials, clothing, baby equipment, things of that nature, formula, diapers, things that our, our mothers who are working the program can take. And we also are servicing single dads. We have men in the, that are taking the classes as well in the programs there and earning ways to help support their children. Wow. I think that's amazing. Is, do you know if any of that... Uh, one has just went for some reason. Do you know if any of that money that, that's been kind of stringed to keep you from preaching the gospel to, to these women and to the men that you talked about that are in your classes, do you know if the same strings are tied to where they can't give that money to abortion centers? I, I don't know that. And when I say we don't take the money, it, they would allow that we could accept that money and still be a Christian ministry. But the, the limitation that is put on that, for example, if, if Cherry comes in needing help and we talk to her and we hear her story and then I, I offer to pray, Cherry, can I just pray for you? I, I can't be the one to pray for her. Now I have to give her a form. She has to complete it. We have to sign it. And then I say, I can't pray for you, but 
but Ginger can pray for you. And then I have to get Ginger involved. And so it's this big, it's, it's a red tape. It is red tape. That's the best word. (laughs) And and it's not conducive to the flow of what the Holy Spirit's doing in that moment. And we're a very tiny little ministry, very tiny, two staff members about to be three because we're growing, Um, but we're a very small ministry. A very small organization. I don't know the answer to that question, though, if it's going elsewhere. I don't know. Well, I think that that's incredible. And I'm thank you mm-hmm. for doing that. I mean, that, well, thank you. Th- that is a definite need. And a lot of times for me, I, I find it hard to answer some of those tough questions when it, in regards to pregnancies and things like that. It's nice to know that people like you and Sarita and other, you know, Men and women are out there helping. It means a lot. Well, they they want to stop off at us on their way to New Mexico. Yeah. So, because you cannot get an abortion without a viable pregnancy, and you can't get a viable pregnancy ultrasound without a pregnancy test. Ah. So, they'll come to us for the pregnancy test, and so we're their first stop on their way out of state. Yeah. Um, and the Lord's been so sweet to give us abortion-minded or abortion-determined young women, girls even, and we're their first stop, and we have we have confirmation that in September alone, two, two we had two abortion determined young ladies who came in, and both of them whose hearts and minds were changed. Mm. So we we are seeing the fruit of this labor. Totally awesome. Mm-hmm. So servolution. We were talking about that earlier today. So tell mm-hmm. us about servolution, and I really want to bring some notice to our listeners. I'm going to have a uh, a link in the description to get people there so that they can see this. Because, I mean, when I watched it, I got goosebumps all over <laughs> you. Uh, well done. Yeah. Thank you. Well done. Uh, this was the really a, a, a young man by the name of Jason Malawiski. He had, he's from uh, Wisconsin, and he in, he's in the military, and the Lord placed he and his wife down in the in our community uh, and it's it was his passion to do something like this Servolution Network ministry. It was kind of birthed out of a um, actually a group out of Louisiana that during the hurricane I can't remember which hurricane it was, but uh, anyway, there's there is a there was a book called Servolution, and then Jason read the book and he says, "I want to do that here." Uh, and this young man is just on fire for the Lord, just loves people. Uh, I told him, I said, you're, you, you've got, you're not from Texas, but you've got the heart as big as Texas whenever it comes to loving people and, and, and wanting to help people. Jason's biggest problem is just, just to say no. <laughs> you know, someone's come and say, hey, can you help us? And he's going, well, yes, let's figure out how we can do it. Uh, but anyway, uh, Servolution was created about eight years ago. And it started off with just starting to help people with some minor home repairs uh, within the community. Uh, we know that we have an aging population in all of our areas. And so, you know, the big thing now is to age at home. That's that's really where most people want to be is they don't want to be in a nursing home. They don't want to have to end up in a place like that. Um, and so there was a real need for helping our community uh, help these either widows or widowers to help with their home repair. You know, it might have been a, a, um, a plumbing or uh, they needed a new roof or uh, this, that, and the other. So it, and so it starts growing from here. And, and then all of a sudden, the the city in which we live um, 
wanted to know because they had some funds that they could help their their people that live within the city limits to help beautify the neighborhoods. And uh, so anyway, it, it started to, to grow to where it is now. Um, and so the bottom line is, is that Servolution is a, is a network of people within our community uh, from all walks of life. Uh, and it's really where we start to see the church as we know it really come together. It's amazing. Because uh, we know that there are churches in the area, uh, but it's hard to get those churches to kind of work together, <laughs> you know? Uh, but when you have something like this, whether it's the Eagle Mountain Pregnancy Help Center or Servolution, really people want to help others. And so uh, through God's providence, uh, Jason kept bugging me to be on the board of directors. And I said, okay, yes. And then finally, I, I, I became got on the board. And then two months after I was on the board, the president of that rolled off and they were trying to figure out who can be our next president. And they looked over at me and they said, Eric, will you take it? I sure said, sure, why not? Let's do it. So that was a couple of years ago. And, and since then, I have a real heart for the people that are in those homes. That's where my heart is. And, and, and so my vision of being victorious, I'm thinking, here's an awesome way that we can get the word of Jesus Christ into every home that we get to serve. So not only do we serve people that are trying to age at home, but we're also helping to serve our veterans. Um, you know, if you know any veterans that are in the area that, you know, their homes are decaying and they have no help and whatever. Uh, so those are our two main goals of what we do in serving those, those homes. And so when we, Twice a year, we do what's called a blitz, and each blitz, whether it's in the fall or whether it's in the spring, uh, we'll, ha- we'll tackle anywhere from 10 to 15 homes at each of those. And it's grown to, to, the, to the size to where uh, we've got a lot of contractors involved who want to give back to the community. Uh, so a roofer or a plumbing group or maybe one of the big box even uh, stores that are there in town they want to give. They want to see where can we give back in the community. And um, so it's it's pretty cool of how the Lord has just really opened up the door for Servolution to minister to homes. And when we go into these homes, some of these homes, as I shared with you and showed you on the video, these are not, this is not just putting lipstick on a pig. This is sometimes we're really redoing the whole house from foundation to the roof. Yeah, guys, if you go into the link where, where you clicked on this podcast, I know we're audio, but there's going to be a place for you to click to where you can go watch that video. I'm going to get that from you because it, you. it was fantastic. <laughs> I love that video. I mean, it, it really got the, the goosebumps. I really did. So it was awesome. Before we, we, before we march out and go start these homes, we gather all of our volunteers together in the morning of, of the Blitz. There can be anywhere from 150 to 200 people there ready to go tackle these you know, 10 or 15 homes. And um, it's my opportunity that the Lord has given me to look at everybody there and, and just simply say, folks, God has got us on a mission to go service people in their physical homes. These are temporary dwelling places. We'll, we can go in there and fix them right now, but another five, 10 years from now, those homes will decay again. But in every single home is an eternal soul. 
this is our mission. The vehicle is helping them with their home, but our ministry teams are there to help serve and, and be Christ in front of them. So each home has what's called a site captain, which is over all construction. Then we have a ministry liaison team for every home. That ministry liaison, liaison team <laughs> goes in about two to three weeks before we actually go actually do the blitz, and they start seeing what their, what their needs are their spiritual needs are. And then they stay with them after we do the build. So we just don't love them and leave them. Once we get through at their home, we want to we want to follow up with them because what we have found, Rick, is that like so many that may even hear on this podcast, a lot of people have been hurt because of church. And they stop going. And they just want someone to listen to them sometimes. And so what I try to help our ministry liaison teams do is just say, when you go to those, just sit down and hear their story and then get back with us. And then we'll see where we, where we can do more ministry. Can we plug them back into a church? Can we, can we let the pastors of the churches that they may have left, can we get them back involved? Can, what can we do to help heal these people that are so hurt from whatever whatever they, they've gone through. So not only will you look at the physical side of it, but we're seeing the spiritual side of it. And and obviously from my standpoint, that's just where that's where I get to see victory because now we've got the mission of Christ going forward. Uh, one of the things that you were saying about the gas station, I'm gonna share this real quickly. And one of the things that we learned on um, a little animated cartoon one time that, you know, explaining about the Old Testament temple the tabernacle, and then at Pentecost where the, the fire came and rested over all of the disciples' heads, is it was at that moment, instead of, the, instead of going to a temple like in the Old Testament, now in the New Covenant, we are now the mobile temples. So instead of going to a place, it's the temples that are going out, and that's where we see our lives, and that's where we start to see victory happening. Yeah, that's incredible. I love it. Do you have something to say, Rick? Because no, if you do, I'm going to put you back on this. We lost mic one. I don't know what happened to it. It's, it's it showing something. It's it's not. You can. No. I don't know what's going on, <laughs> but that's okay. Um, it's all about you, buddy. It is. It's all about me anyway. <laughs> yeah. All right. So Eric and Karen, thank you guys for coming and being on our podcast. Thank you for having thank us. You. Thanks for coming all the way out thank from Texas to Virginia Beach. Yeah. yeah. Pastor Curtis, thank you for allowing you, all Curtis. of us to come here. It's amazing. Yeah. And so guys, just go back into that link, like I said, and I'll have the uh, the place where you can see that video. And then if you want to reach out. And, and something that you talked about with me earlier this morning, I just want to bring up is that you would like if you could franchise this, you would. Like, I, yes. know, I know we don't mean it in, you know, in, a, in, a, in a profitable way, but that every community would have something like this to where believers can get out there and, and work. And I know like in our areas, I think what we have like Habitat for Humanity and, and, and things of that nature. But I, I loved seeing all of those people. I mean, everybody can, you know, if you can walk and you have arms, you can pick up leaves, you can mm-hmm. move things, you know, and if you can't walk, there's, I mean, everybody mm-hmm. was doing something. Everybody. I thought that is the coolest thing. You know, it didn't matter what, yeah. It was, it was kids and, and all the, children, the way up. Kids, yeah. Children, yeah. We, we take our Families grandchildren. Families go out there and serve together. Yeah. So yeah. It's pretty cool. So 
Yeah, if they want to contact us through Servolution and and talk with us, we'd be happy to ch- chat with people and see if they want to do that at other places. And do you have a website that you could say like aud- audibly here? It is. It'll be servolutionnetwork.com. So it's Servolution Network. So there'll be two ends in the middle. Okay. Servolutionnetwork.com. Yeah, that's so cool. Well, thank you guys for being on the on, this, on the Rosa Bria. Thank you. Rick, uh, Cherry, I'm going to throw my mic over here at you guys. Say goodbye. Thank you. <laughs> bye. Oh, bye. <laughs> bye. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed listening to them. Like I said at the top of this podcast, they are the sweetest. They are. People, they have such a love in their heart. I know Eric, you know, he has led lots of studies. Uh, his wife, um, you know, she, you heard, you know, she works in much like Sarita. Um, she works in this, it's like the pregnancy center. Yep, sure does. It's just, it's incredible. Uh, they, they are such giving people and I'm thankful to know them and to consider them my friend and brother and sister yep. in Christ. So hope you guys like that. Again, like I said, if you go into the, to the paragraph in regard to this particular episode, you'll see Servolution. You'll be able to link there to see what they're doing. And then perhaps you might want to do something in your community. You could always reach out to them. If you do, send us an email at info at and we'll link you to Eric Auger and he can tell you how to get started in your own community with something like Servolution. This, this could be kind of like a franchise of good Absolutely. going all across the nation. It really is great. So anyway, Big Daddy. Oh, yeah. Sarita, Bye, y'all. Andy, Ralph, thank you. Cherry, thank you guys for being here. And we will talk to you guys again next time on the Burroughs of Berea. Peace out. Later. Bye-bye. Hey, guys, this is Rick from the Burroughs of Berea. Do you know how much blood, sweat, and tears it takes to make a podcast? None. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't cost a lot. And so if you guys don't mind, if anybody would like to give to help us with these episodes, it would be great. We'll put out even more content. And if you go to our Patreon page, just search for the Burrows of Berea, you'll get extra notes, extra episodes, and it's pretty much free. A dollar gets you a lot. Thanks, guys.